On this episode, we'll catch up on some Latinx pop culture and shows we've been watching. Then we'll talk about why advocating for transgender rights is all about leading with love. We speak to Lisette Trujillo about her family and the powerful ways that they are advocates for transgender youth and other families. This is a great conversation that we recorded remotely, so you may notice a bit of sound quality mishaps, but trust us, the conversation is well worth it. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Our mission is to use laughter and conversation to inform and inspire. For us, self-care and advocacy go hand in hand. We want you to be your best you so together we can build more inclusive communities. Welcome to the show. Hola, tamarindo amiguis. Yeah, we're right back in the studio because guess what? We're on a weekly schedule. So it's good to see you again. No, God, they got, <laughs> we're working hard out here, y'all. We're working hard. Como estas, Brenda? Good. I'm realizing I don't have our matraca. So matraca to us. Well, even yeah. though it's not um, I'm doing really good. We just saw each other, which is kind of neat while you're visiting from Mexico City where you have relocated. But it's cool to see you once again in person. Yes. And we're so happy vacunadas. to... Vacunadas. Yeah, <laughs> vacunadas, I know. In person, the CDC said we don't have to wear masks. So her, I guess, hooray. I don't know, mixed feelings. What do you think about that? Right. Well, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird because now I guess they said that you don't... If you have been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear masks indoors or outdoors. Like in most situations, in you most don't situations. have to wear masks. And it's, and it's weird. And I, and I'm trying to figure out like, is that what I'm going to do? What am I going to do? Do I want, yes, I'm fucking tired of wearing a mask. It's true. But I don't know. I guess I feel like in wearing a mask, what we do do is, is signal. That I'm not a freaking Republican. (laughs) Yes. There's, there's so many, it's like, there's so many like complexities to it. Right. Well, I just, what I don't want to do is I don't want people that are not vaccinated Mm -hmm. to start not wearing masks because they don't give a fuck. And they're like, well, I'm well you know what? They didn't give a fuck before. They're just gonna, they're just a little bit more. Um, That's true. Be Good slightly point. less irate at in, in malls. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm very happy to be able to go hiking and, and not feel judged. But I'm basically going to take cues from other people. And if they're wearing masks, then I'll keep freaking wearing a freaking mask, right. which I, you know, whatever. Like, I believe in masks and I believe in prevention. But I also yeah. know that it's been safe for a long time to wear them out, to go on a hike without a mask. And I yeah. still feel the pressure to have to wear it. Right, right. And I mean, especially here, like I'm still seeing everyone wear, wearing a mask. So it does feel like that is the... It's like a culture because if you go to Orange County, they have not, they're not wearing masks. They're <laughs> they not. haven't been wearing masks. No, they're not they? wearing masks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Have you, and I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird, but I'm excited. There's so many friends I haven't seen in like a year. Everyone wants to come to visit me now. All yeah. Of a sudden. Mexico City, of course. Yeah. And like, we, we actually have to sit down and be like, no, we can't accept that many people because we have, first of all, we have to work. And second of all, like it takes a lot of energy. Yeah, Pero yeah. Everyone, you every, just charge them. Everybody's ready. Like to, you can come, to, to but it's going to cost you this much. <laughs> and treat you. And I'm just your, um, you know, your, your. Consider me your Airbnb host. Don't expect anything anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what else has been since I've been here? I've noticed um, Uber prices have gone out 
gone up like crazy and I'm having to wait like 10, 15 minutes. And I'm like, what the hell? But that's one of the things that's like a lot of Uber drivers, they, they, they quit. Yeah, well, good. I think they should quit because they were being exploited and you should be paying more prices, right, honestly. Right, 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 Actually, right, right. you should be well, taking a cab. But I know. But... It was pretty nice to have those very inexpensive rides. But, that you know, I guess that that might be... That might be a positive sign, actually, that they're that expensive, and that it's. I, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm gonna hope that that's the demise of those rideshare services, right. I mean, of which I relied heavily on. Yeah, they're getting paid more. I mean, reminder that I don't the, know if the, they're getting paid more. I think well, they're, I, I think so. your your theory of them choosing not to drive is probably more accurate. <laughs> but yeah. who knows? Who knows? Quién sabe? Uh, something else to think about. But yeah, it does it does stink if you're uh, relying on on those rideshare right services now, yeah. that you have to wait 15 <laughs> minutes. It was so nice when they would just come immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but maybe with the whole mask thing, they might be more available because the other part is that it's people weren't taking them as much, so there's like the demand was fewer, but who knows? Right, 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 right. Now with the CDC rules, anything goes. Anything goes. <laughs> Okay. Um, anything else happening with you? Que mas? Oh, I'm going to be a, a madrina. Oh, that's awesome. To your your niece. Yeah, which was it was weird because um, I sort of had to to lie. Like, <laughs> welcome to the Catholic Church. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel I do feel responsibility in being a tia. It's felt very special to me. There, I think there is symbolism for me. Like, I do believe in in. Uh, in a higher power. And so it does feel very cool to have this like sacred moment where, you know, like I'm the madrina, whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's. Like... Yeah, you can have all that without the institutions and rules. Right. Of the and church. telling me that I can't, you know, be gay or that I can't live with yeah. <laughs> or that I'm disqualified if I live with a romantic partner to be a madrina. Like that's it's ridiculous. How but boring. Anyways. What a boring madrina that would be. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, you're a fun madrina. So, yes, yes I'm yes, glad yes, you yes, lied yes. and I'm glad that you're going to. Um, be able to do that. Yeah, that's I fantastic. know. Because I mean, we've what been an waiting. honor, right? What an honor no, to be asked is. to do that. And we've been waiting forever because of the, like, you know, to be vaccinated for this to be possible. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. Que bueno. Que mas con, what, what about you? Que mas? Uh, not much going on with me. I think we already kind of covered the masks and stuff, but I do want to say that I felt really great this morning because uh, I had a chance to look at the results of our listener survey. Ooh. And let me tell you, listeners, y'all are too nice. Literally, nobody gave us any constructive criticism. It's all you guys are great. I was ready for you it. I was, I was preparing great. myself mentally for <laughs> negative or construct, not negative, constructive feedback. Everybody just said, keep doing it, which is great. Thank you all. Uh, we really appreciate it. There were some great ideas. So there were. all positive things. And we just want to thank all of you for giving you giving us your feedback. And if you didn't have a chance to um, formally take our survey, you can always contact us at contact at tamarindopodcast.com. We're especially interested in just cool ideas and segments, um, what, what you want to hear more of. We love all of that. And uh, we did have a contest for this, right, Anna Shayla? We did. And our winner is Ilcia Muniz. We will be reaching out to you. And what you win is we will contribute $25 to a charity or organization of your choice. Exactly. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody that um, was there to give us some feedback. And actually, um, Anna Shayla, one of the cool suggestions that we got was to like maybe build in a little bit more of that, you know, what's going on in Latinx pop culture. So um, I'm going to take that advice. And, and today I read a wonderful article by the LA Times, and it was all about Benifer. Do, do you remember Benifer? And if you don't, that means I'm older than you. Are you talking about Ben Affleck? 
and yes. J-Lo. Oh yes. my God, blast from the past. Blast from the past. Yes, yes. So there's a fantastic article wow. by Meredith Blake um, in the entertainment and art section of the Los Angeles Times. The headline is this, why Benefer 2.0 is so exciting because last time we screwed it up. So, um, and is, this article is fantastic. It really kind of... Uh, it, This is everybody should read this article, but let me break it down for you because I'm guessing you didn't read it. No, you're not all up to date on your benefit benefit news. Okay, so there's another great documentary that came out earlier this year. It's all like free Britney Spears. And it's a really great documentary because it really is an indictment on the way the media treated women in the early aughts. In this, and and that really, really, they were so unkind to Britney Spears. What does she have to do with this story? It's it's also around the same time that you know Benefer started, and in this article uh, by Meredith Blake, she brings excerpts from that time and the way the media covered Benefer. First, they were all over it. They coined Benefer. I mean, there was never a there was never a mashup of names before this. But secondly, they framed it as. This classy guy, Ben Affleck, is bringing some class to this Latina, this cheap, cheap Latina that's just there for the jewelry. You see, it was like a racist mm-hmm. trope. And um, and I'm thinking back at that time. And it, yes, it did kind of seem like it's I think the framing. And I remember thinking it at the time that like Ben Affleck is stooped down to hang out with Jennifer Lopez. And now I'm understanding that is because it was fed to us. This is the framing. She was at the time she was like Jenny from the block hanging out with rappers. Uh, You know, there's there's definitely racial undertones to like this notion of like now she's classing it up with this white guy who, by the way, according to this article by Meredith Blake, and I know it's is is, um, is accurate from the little that I know about Ben Affleck is that they're both from working class backgrounds. They're not there is no class here. Right. But yeah, because he was white, he was just automatically the the classy the classy guy. Yeah, but now that we've learned, now that it's been 20 years and we've we've known or close to 20 years, maybe 15 years, we've known a little bit better um and we've seen how successful Jennifer Lopez is and we've seen how not as successful Ben Affleck has been and how unkind the media has been to him lately actually that we're super excited. Like we're excited because poor Jennifer Lopez like she seems to be very unlucky in love. I don't know how many engagements. She's got way more rings than like football players do. But and then poor little Ben Affleck who you know, has had a couple of hiccups there. Also, he's uh, looking rough. He's looking. Actually, I think he looks great. I've always recently. If he likes Latinas and Jeff doesn't mind, uh-huh, I'm right there. So I do love I do love Ben Affleck a lot. Anyways, I'm very excited of them being together. So that's my, wait, my pop culture wait, wait, news. Wait. So are they re- Re- they're together. They're together. They're oh, together. wait. I, OK, I fucking sorry, but I miss I miss this. No, they're not. They Wait, are this, together my again. Mind we has that, just we are in Benefer 2.0. Oh my god! I, we I are somehow much miss, more kind to them now. I somehow missed. I'm somehow missed this. But yeah. I, <laughs> yes, this is, she. I don't know if you let me give you the recap on Jennifer Lopez, but she it looks like uh, what's that guy who plays I don't baseball? Don't like that guy, but um, baseball dude. A Rod. A Rod. A Rod cheated on right. her. I mean, that guy's a guys are trash no he matter cheat, what. He's always cheating. You know, he's he, I don't know if you know his his background as an athlete, but he was caught with um uh, PEDs. And mm. so he's a he's a cheater. He's, he's a, life, a cheater. He's a lifelong cheater. Lifelong cheater. I well, thought he had changed. The, I I was I I was liking their relationship, but oh, it looks like he once once a cheater, always a cheater. Yep. 
But yep. that's so, f- I hadn't, okay, I missed the whole, my mind has just exploded. Yeah, now week. they're dating again. Wow. And everyone is like, in, in and by everyone, I mean my friend circles, you know, my little group texts. We're excited about it. But apparently, according to this article, everybody's excited about it. Wow. Yeah. That's like, it's like kind of like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston getting, getting back together. Are they getting back together? No, I don't know. But I'm just saying like, it would be like crazy. It would be that exciting. Yeah, yes. no, I remember, I remember, I remember Benefer. I remember that people were like saying that she was trying to change him kind of like making him be like different like definitely. like hip and cool yeah i mean he did he i feel like he she did make him look well when they were dating i think he looked cooler <laughs> but oh, that's crazy wow yeah it's fascinating fascinating yeah. okay so um that's that's us fulfilling the wishes of our listeners that said they wanted a little bit of pop culture but there you go there's some pop culture yes so brenda <laughs> uh what about your matraca what's what's getting your matraca right now well um my matraca right now i'm a little late to this game but um there's a show first of all a couple things one is forgetting that you pay for something. Turns out that we've been paying for HBO for the last four months and I haven't watched a single thing because I thought we'd canceled it. So so I'm glad that we have HBO. So I'm catching up on some old shows and I started watching Veneno, which um, I saw on the interwebs that people were really excited about this show. And so now I'm, I'm finally watching it. So Veneno, if you haven't heard about it, is a like several episode series is a series about this real life trans woman named Veneno that was a like a celebrity from Spain. And it's really well done. Um, it, it's fantastic. It tells her life story, but it also um, it's kind of told by the point of view of this young person who also realizes that they are trans and basically Veneno becomes like um, her godmother and through the transition and I'm not all the way through with it, but it's beautiful. It's really well done. Plus, I love the span, like the Spain, the Spanish. Spangl- it's so good. Oh, is it sp- fully in Spanish? Okay. Yeah, it's from Spain, but oh, it's like okay, that okay. kind of Spanish yeah, yeah, yeah. from Valencia, aparte. Valencia. Yeah, so it's very like um, lots of bad words. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I've been enjoying that. So I give my, my matraca goes to Veneno on HBO Max. How about you? What is your matraca? Well, before I get into my matraca, I, I want to you remind me, I'm going to make a PSA for everyone. Make sure that you know what subscriptions, fitness subscriptions you need to figure out if you need to cancel or do. Because I've been getting emails. I used to have Class Pass. I had Planet Fitness. I had LA Fitness. And I'm getting emails from all of them. So I need to remember to, <laughs> exactly. to cancel them. Because yeah, you're going to start getting stuff. charged. For, you're going to start getting charged for all of them. <laughs> They're and opening just, up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my matraca, um, I have been watching and I'm, and at first I was embarrassed to share this, but I've been watching a reality show, uh, the circle. Have you, have you heard of the, I the, have, I have heard of the circle. I have no idea what it's about. Tell me this. I'm, I have zero idea. It's just like such a creative, different spin on, on reality. So basically, and it's actually very perfect for, for COVID because all of the contestants, they all live in their own little apartments Okay, and they don't see each other. No one sees each other. They're just communicating via the circle, which is basically just like a social media. But are they like held captive? Like they're not allowed to like be out in the world? No, no, no. You're just, oh in, you're just in this room communicating with each other. And all people know is like you create a profile of yourself. And with no pictures. With pictures. Oh, okay. Okay. But, but yeah, you're supposed to put pictures and share, you know, who your story is, but uh, no one knows, but you can create, you can be a catfish. So you can play oh, as yourself or play as a catfish. And then every, whatever X amount of time you, they vote off, you have to like rank the players based on who's ever most pop, who's ever most popular 
gets the top two get to choose who they're going to vote oh off. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. And, okay. <laughs> and it just, I, I just haven't seen a show. I, I think reality shows are so tired, but I just thought this was such a creative way, you know, a little kind different of, spin. Yeah. And like the social media kind of sort of like popularity aspect of it. And then they just have some ridiculous challenges that they bring in. It's so ridiculous that it's just funny and fun and it's just interesting who plays as a catfish i this season was so much better than last and i oh wow you're already on season two this is season two <laughs> i really recommend it I, everyone watch watch the circle two and i absolutely love who won so oh oh my god spoiler alert i won't i won't i won't tell y'all but it was it was excellent wow <laughs> okay i'm intrigued because so if you circle, liked it i'm, I'm very intrigued and, about I, and I normally don't like shows like that so the circle season two specifically that's that's what y'all I've got to watch. Very cool. Got you. Yeah. Got you some stuff to watch. Yes. Uh, all right. So, what, Brenda, are you putting in La Basura this week? Well, this week, and um, we've got just enough time to tell you all about it. We are going to just very briefly. I think it's a joint cosine basura, unless you come up with something else to add to this. But we have a cosine joint basura to just basically the um, ongoing anti-LGBTQ. Um, bills that continue to emerge. These are Republican-led bills. In fact, the um, ACLU says that there's over 200 anti-LGBTQ bills active in state legislators right now. And specifically, there's been a rise in anti-trans bills. So, so for example, in Connecticut, cisgender athletes are trying to eliminate the, the state's trans-inclusive policy, and the ACLU is working to defend the trans athletes. Suddenly, Repu Republicans have a new obsession in its youth sports. But as the ACLU points out, anti-LGBTQ policies are all about excluding people. That's really what it is, right? No, Make no mistake about it. It's about excluding LGBTQ yes. people, and it's about um, pushing down our throats some specific notion of who is allowed and, and who isn't right it's really not about sports it's, it's right. obviously that's just the the mask or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. to continue to to enact divisive discriminatory homophobic policies yeah so basura to all that yeah but i mean it's it's great that organizations obviously like the aclu are taking up the fight legally and in the courts like we we need y'all we appreciate these organizations so much but what's also important is that we each use our voice to let the world know that trans people are just as much as part of our community and deserving of following their passions, whether it be sports or, or anything else. And really like just feeling like safe to be themselves. Like how much courage does it take to just even live out as a trans person and and to and just and just like whatever we can do so that our, our community can be safe, like. Lo que sea, right? So right. that's why we're so inspired by our guest today, Liz Trujillo. She is a mom and such a she's such a powerful voice. And I'm really excited for y'all to listen to this conversation with her. She's a community advocate for transgender youth and youth, <laughs> youth and families, and works has worked with so many local and national organizations like Human Rights Campaign. And that's how we initially were able to connect with her. And her family and, and advocacy has actually been featured on, on People magazine. But she is just such a beautiful example of what we can all do with our voices. And like I said, I'm so excited for y'all to listen to this conversation. And she really reminds us that we have the power to, to change hearts and minds. And you'll see exactly that in, in this conversation. And yeah. it's so important right now. 
so important. And we're, we're really inspired by Liz Trujillo and, and, and her husband as well, you know, the family, because as, as she, you'll, you know, you'll hear, we've heard before when she, we've had a chance to speak to her. It's really important to have more Latinx families um, stepping into affirming their children. And and it's and many may be lost in how to do that. And so that's part of the reason, too, that we wanted to have Liz is, is just to if there if you are a parent out there that um, is wanting some resources, some support on how to navigate affirming your trans child. Liz is a resource. And I love that. So we're so excited to have her. Yes. But before we get to this beautiful, powerful interview, uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah. Planned Parenthood asked me to show someone how I see them, like really see them. So this ad is dedicated to none other than you, Anna Shayla. I see you, how compassionate you are, I see the way you care, and the way you do so much to empower the LGBTQ community and beyond. I see your vulnerability as a strength, your fun sense of humor, and your ability to see the positive side of things. I see you as someone that is genuine and authentic, and I feel very lucky to get to see you, the real you. Aww, thank you, Brenda. Mi corazoncito. (laughs) That's so sweet. So Planned Parenthood sees you truly sees you not as patients, but as people, deserving of understanding and compassionate quality healthcare and education. And they understand the importance of having access to that care so you can define exactly where you're going. Visit www.bscene.org to learn more about how Planned Parenthood is here to see you become who you will be. That's www.bscene.org. For a long time, we've been taught that talking openly and honestly about our mental health is something we shouldn't do. Like when someone asks how you are, you're supposed to say, fine, and get on with your day. That's exactly how host Diane Guerrero felt growing up. She was taught to say she was okay when she really wasn't. And that's exactly why she started her new podcast from LES Studios called Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay. You may know Diane Guerrero from her standard role of Crazy Jane on HBO Max's hit DC Universe series, Doom Patrol. She also starred on Netflix's Orange is the New Black, CW's Jane the Virgin, and CBS's Superior Donuts. But Diane is more than just an amazing actress. She's also a passionate advocate for immigration and mental health issues. In Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay, Diane wants to revolutionize the way we address mental health, starting by providing a safe space where we can talk about how we feel, where we're not ashamed of our own human experience. Diane will speak to Carla Cornejo, Villavicencio, Eric André, Dasha Polanco, Janaya Future Khan, Residente from Calle 13, and more guests about their mental health journeys. Did you know that young people of color are disproportionately affected by mental health issues and they're not getting the resources they need? Yeah, Diane wants to change that. Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay explores real issues that youth face all over the world, like addiction, depression, anxiety, and suicide, through conversations with friends, activists, healthcare professionals, and artists, including Demi Lovato, a huge advocate of mental health. What I love about Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay is that Diane invites us into her circle as we hear her lead intimate and powerful conversations, often with her close friends. She and her guests show vulnerability, and the podcast is a great reminder that prioritizing mental health is important for everyone. This podcast is available now. Download Yeah, No, I'm Not Okay at LAS.com slash Yeah, No, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's L-A-I-S-T dot com slash Yeah, No. 
Today, I'm so happy to have mom and trans activist Lisette Trujillo and Tamarindo. Lisette is a small business owner and incredible community advocate for transgender youth and families and has been volunteering and working with many local and national organizations, including Human Rights Campaign. Lisette, we're so happy to have you here on Tamarindo. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's really an honor to be here. I'm excited. And I want to start off by just thanking you and telling you how important your voice is for for our Latinx community and whether you're LGBTQ plus or, or not, I know it's not easy to be a public advocate sometimes for, you know, for your son and for trans lives, because as I've heard you say before, you know, existing at the marginalized intersections of race, status and gender identity can be exhausting and it requires a, a lot of courage. So I really thank you so much for your voice and, and for your courage. And and I just want to get started by, you know, asking you, how has raising your, your son changed your life? What, what have you learned from him? Oh, thank you so much for that intro. It is exhausting. <laughs> you caught me on a day today when I feel really, really tired, I think. Um, but I think what I've learned from my son is what like real honest, unconditional love is. He's expanded my heart in ways that I never expected. And it's allowed me, it's allowed me the opportunity to see the world from a more intersectional lens, right? Like I understood what discrimination and bias felt like from my viewpoint, but then I, I had the opportunity to see how bias and discrimination impacts LGBTQIA people in a different way outside of myself. Um, and so I think that it's expanded my, my, my worldview. I want to, I want to, I think about intersectionality so much more now, whether that be like the fact that I'm an able-bodied person and how the world is different for people who are maybe deaf blind or disabled, or what is it that the, you know, indigenous, indigenous needs are in our state. I'm in Arizona. What is happening with immigration? Um, My spouse, you know, immigrated years ago. And so it's made me think about the ways that I impact the world and how I can be a better person. And I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have had that had I not had a transgender son. He, he forced me into a space of like learning and recognizing the importance of allyship and knowing that I'm not like a singular person. I exist in communities and I impact people and communities around me. Mm. That is so powerful and, and so beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting, <laughs> I got chills from, from hearing that, but it's, it's so true. And, you know, just these thinking about myself as, as a member of, of the LGBTQ plus community, um, it's, it's been, you know, at times traumatic, difficult. Um, you know, there's still healing that I'm still going through being part, you know, having to feeling not safe exploring my identity growing up, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because I think like what you're, what you're sharing, right. It's, uh, it's this struggle, um, being part of this community has allowed me to see this intersectionality that you're talking about. And it makes me feel like, so like, I'm like a better person, honestly, to be able to know what I've been through and know that I might not understand what like another person's experiences, but understanding what I've struggled with, it helps me 
be able to consider that, you know, start with the fact that I don't understand and that that's a good place to, to start from and how I can be a better ally to whatever experience it is, right? Yeah. There's this beautiful quote by Audre Lorde, and I'm going to butcher it, I think, so I apologize, but it's like, you don't have to be me to fight alongside me, right? Like this idea of, I will never share in your lived experience, but I can have the empathy to fight alongside you and to and to want you to have the same things that I have, right? Because it's so important that allyship, that that need to... I think that there's things that we as like I as a cis straight woman took for granted. Like I can hold my spouse's hand down the street and not worry about looks or um, being hurt, right? Uh, Experiencing violence by somebody who is um, biased or, and I think that those are things that we as cis people take for granted. Like we're always holding hands, hugging, um, showing affection in public in ways that like, LGBTQIA people have to consider their environment. Is it safe for them to be, um, you know, affectionate in that moment? Are you going to be safe in the target uh, hugging while you're waiting in line to pay? Things that we don't think about, right? And um, understanding that safety is a, is a human right. Like you should feel safe everywhere you go. Um, and so that at its core, even in that tiniest level, is why all people should be part of all people should be allies while we all should fight together for equality. So right. oh, that's a, safety is a human right. And and you were what you were sharing right now was was like resonating with me as as I, you know, there are times that I don't feel like I'm like, am I okay to hold hands here? And it's something that I'm still um working through. And I think what we've what I've realized and is, you know, as we go through this healing, if we have the ability to use our platform and our voice and, and, you know, knowing that we're still at times, like, are we safe? But like, as much as we can, if we do feel safe enough to, to be an ally, to, to be, to represent, to be, to show that representation mm-hmm. to people that maybe are not as far along in, in that journey, perhaps just yet. Yeah. Visibility is so important, but it also comes at a cost, right? I know you, I'm sure you know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also recognize the privilege that, that I, that I, that I have, you know, like in, on, on the spectrum as well. So just recognizing what is our privilege and, and given our privilege, how can we be an ally? How can we be advocates and advoc- activists? Yeah. It's really interesting. I would too, when we talk about privilege, cause a lot of times people, they get lost in that word. Right. And so I always like to tell them like how, how, if you remove the word privilege and you just think about the ways in which you're safe to do things, right? Like how safe you are to, I was, um, I'm listening to this book by Oprah and this Dr. Robert Bell. And he said, you know, when people talk about privilege, they get lost in the word. And the reality is, it's like, are you safe enough to be curious, like curious to travel, right? Or, or are you safe to um, explore who you are? Like when it's all around rooted in safety and this idea of being able to be your full self in spaces. And so if you never have to check yourself, if you never have to like guard or um, hold back parts of yourself, then you're experiencing a high level of privilege, right? That you don't have to protect yourself in certain ways. Um, And I think that that explanation makes it easier because you're right. When you talk about like, 
classism and and things where you know where you're not talking about race but maybe intersections of race and economics right um but that's getting into deeper things i'm sorry i totally rattled off into something else but i know people get stuck on this word of privilege where they'll say I worked hard my whole life, like nothing's ever been handed to me. And that's a reality. Yes, you have, everyone works hard. Everyone has their own challenges. It has to do with the safety that you're afforded in those spaces. Yeah, no, I, I, and I love that you were thinking of a different way of framing it because there are sometimes words become so used sometimes that people start switching or like, they no say they they interpret them differently or they get caught up in the word and get defensive right because people have such a hard mm-hmm. time acknowledging privilege especially the more privilege you get them the harder it is for for you to acknowledge your your privilege but it is sometimes it 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 can be powerful to think about how can we switch how we explain this as people are struggling to 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 maybe um empathize or, or see a different perspective mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh, my next question is, is I want to know what you might tell parents or, or family members who have a child that maybe um, it's a, maybe they already identify as trans or maybe they're exploring their gender identity. Um, so parents or family members that may be having a difficult time with their child, maybe because of stigma, you know, whatever religion or just because this is new for them and, and not expected. Uh, is there any uh, initial ad- advice that you, you might give them? Yeah. First, I want to tell families that they aren't alone. I know when I started my journey, I felt very much alone um, and didn't, at the time, there really weren't as many resources as as there are today. Like, it's a very different space now. Um, but I think the first thing I would say is that you're not alone and that there's a whole network of families that um, are supportive, even like if you think about like in different countries, right? Like there's a huge network of families in Mexico um, doing a lot of advocacy work around trans youth. Um, and you hear the stories about like, you know, different parts of the world where trans youth exist and parents are making impacts. We definitely are not alone. Um, I also want to tell families that although the world may feel scary, um, I want to remind them that having a trans child is actually not challenging at all. They're still like the same person you fell in love with and carried in your arms. It's that the world is challenging and it's an opportunity for us. If we recognize that the world is challenging and biased, it's an opportunity for us to create a better world for our children. And for us, it's an opportunity for us to reframe that conversation. Because a lot of times when you hear this a lot, like I like this idea of like, you know, some a parent comes out, you know, uh, and tells a family member that they have a child who's LGBTQIA, right? And like the nanita, I pero el mundo es tan difícil. And like it's you, we we intrinsically know that it's the world that's challenging, but the onus or the blame is put on the person who's being marginalized. And I think if we reframe that conversation and we start having conversations around, actually, there's nothing wrong with the person who's marginalized. It's the world that's marginalizing them that's wrong. And we need to be better people, right? We need to be better community members. And um, I would also tell families that once they're able to reframe 
and rethink about their child to then connect their children to community and look for resources and look for ways to give um, your LGBTQIA child support. I think them being able to see themselves in the world in other kids or adults and mentors actually tells them that they exist and that they're valid and real. And it's like, it just, it changes the dynamic. They, they're able to thrive and they're able to see like a future for themselves. Uh, and see like their whole self existing in the world, right? And so I think that that would be something else that I would say, like reach out to community, learn as much as you can. And remember to like love your children always, like just love them and nurture them. And that's the number one thing. And sometimes I'm guilty of it. Like there's times where I have like a bad day and I'm like not the most nurturing, loving mom. Um, we can't hold that all the time. But what I can do is give my son a space that if I'm in a bad mood, it's not because he's LGBTQIA. I'm just in a bad mood, right? Like it's not about his identity. It's just mom's having a bad day and it doesn't impact how he views himself as a person. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So I feel like really what, what I was hearing was you know, for, first of all, making sure that we have the perspective right as as we're, you know, that you, you realize it's it's really the world and that we make sure we always think about that as opposed to um, potentially putting the onus on on that person. So really perspective, I think affirmation um, and, and really community and representation. Mm -hmm. Those are some mm -hmm. of the, the themes that 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 I, that I heard. Yeah, it, I want to say for me, and I think a lot of parents, I've heard a lot of parents say this, the transformation was mine. Mm -hmm. Like my son is a transgender person, but the person who truly transformed was me because he was who he was always. He was just trying to get me to see it. And so it's I, I'm the one who needed to change mm. in order to make space for him. Right. And I think one of the things that you mentioned just a second ago was also kind of starting from love. So yeah. if we can always be grounded in love, then that can really ease our ability or anyone's ability to be open to, to transforming, right? Because yeah. that's how we can transform our heart, our mind, our actions. Yeah. I really wanted to be a mom. I like felt it that I wanted to have a baby. And I remember telling my husband, like, I want to get pregnant. And he's like, I can do that. And I wanted to be a mom. Like, and I, and I think about when we think we want things, we don't really recognize that we're being called to something bigger, right? Like I wanted to be a mom for my own reasons. And then you have a child and you recognize that like, it's, they are, they are external of you and that love is beyond you, right? It's not tied together anymore as like um, this need like for myself, like self-fulfilling need of being a mom, you know, um, that now this person really relied on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. And like, I think in being a, a, a mom, you sort of have to be willing to, in order to be the best parent, you have to let go of whatever you might have wanted for your child before oh, yeah. you had your child. <laughs> we build a whole expect, like we have expectations. Like I built a whole life for my child before he was even born. Right. Like that's a lot for him to like try to live up to or, you know, without. And, um, 
this plot twist, as I call it, was an opportunity for me to actually get to know my child instead of like building an expectation of who he was supposed to be. Yeah, that's so powerful. Okay, so, you know, heartbreakingly, as as, as we're speaking, there are a lot of anti-trans bills that are targeting minors that are being, ch- and children that are being passed and, you know, heard across the country. And a lot of these you know, authors of these bills are, you know, argue very hurtful, discriminatory, terrible things. And so one of the things I, I was hoping you could respond to is how do you respond to, to, to people that you know, argue that gender affirming medical care shouldn't be allowed for teens and kids under 18 or, you know, that they don't know what they want or lots of these arguments that, that we hear a lot of these authors speak? Well, the first thing I would say is that when they ask those questions, it's because they truly do not believe the trans person and their experience, right? Because if you believed them, then you would trust that their families and their me- and their care teams, right? Because we all have care teams. I have, my son has a therapist and a doctor um, and a pediatrician who are affirming. None of these, like no decision is ever made without Uh, talking to an expert, right? And so I think that if you believed trans people and their experiences, then this wouldn't be up for debate. You would say, okay, this is a natural form of humanity um, and they're accessing the care that's appropriate for them. Because let's face it, like not all people are going to want medical care, right? Some trans people are going to, and not everyone can access medical care, that is a privilege in itself, right? Um, and so, and if you, and so, what I would say is that first, we have to believe trans people and their experience. Um, secondly, I want to say to your listeners that it's really important to understand where we're getting information from um, and where information comes from. There are massive anti-LGBTQ hate groups that actually write these copycat bills. And so if I, as an advocate, take a lot of time to read them across the board. And so, you know, um, you could see that it was using the same language state to state with different variations. And if you understand how lobby organizations work, they'll give um, a senator or representative a bill and they'll say, hey, if you work on this, I guarantee you you'll probably get more votes. Um, There was a really amazing piece in Politico around um, where they actually interviewed a a prominent lobbyist who said, I believe this is the wedge issue that will help us win in 2022. And so there's a reality to the fact that they are using trans youth and the fear and misinformation that people have around trans youth to win elections and to cause a debate, to cause a a stir. And what that really does, right, is it traumatizes families and trans youth. We've seen an uptick an uptick in suicidality in trans youth, um, you know, affirming medical care is life-saving. And um, you would treat a whole person and treat their needs to keep them healthy and thriving like you would anyone else that's seeking medical care for something. And so I think that this debate is harmful. I think it's dangerous. And it's really unfortunate that we are in the space that we are in today but they aren't new arguments, right? Like if you want to marginalize people further, then you keep them out of restrooms and you keep them from being able to access medical care because they're not going to be healthy 
thriving people who can give to their communities, right? Um, and when I say give, I just mean we're all giving to our communities, whether that be we're students or workers or business owners or leaders, right? And so if you want to marginalize people, then you do you make it harder for them to exist in public spaces and you make it even harder for them to access the medical care that they need. And so this isn't the first time we've seen this playbook used. Um, and so it's just unfortunate, right? There were 200 anti-LGBTQIA um, uh, policies that were introduced at state levels across the country. So like not even just anti-trans bills that target kids, but like actually target human beings, like anyone who's different. And then when you see the attack on voter rights or immigrant rights, you recognize that it's all in the same vein, right? But they're able to they're able to keep us disjointed because we're misinformed or fearful of people who are different than us. When really we are all the same, and we all need we all need a, a clean bathroom that we can go to in public. We all need access to education. We all need access to medical care. And so they're basic, and we need the right to vote and and to make our voices be heard. And so, you know, it's it's all in the same vein to keep people marginalized, separated and oppressed. Yes. If I wish I had my matraca, Lisa, cause I, I, I would have used it like 10 <laughs> times. Yes, girl. Oh. I'm down okay. with the hate. Stop it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm so grateful, Lisa. I'm going to cry. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, no, no tears. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for your voice for your strength. I'm so grateful that we are in community together. Like I feel very much connected to all the work that you're doing. And, and, and I feel, you know, part of the Tamarindo family and just, you know, just out here doing, doing the work to, to change, change hearts, change lives, change realities. Like we all just deserve to be the, the person that we're called to be. Yeah. And thank you for giving me the space to talk about it because it's so important for people to see that loving families exist. And um, I'm just really appreciative of you letting me be here to talk about my love for my kid. Gracias, Lisa. Um, I, I want to transition to to uh, a fun part of the of the show where we ask our guests what they something that they are loving and that's what you want to give your matraca to um what's something that you're just tired of that you want to put in the basura and lastly what's something that is giving you calma that's keeping you grounded and um this can be you know person place or thing concept it can be something small or something some big so whatever is calling to you today so um we can start with whatever whatever you you have in in, in your in your mind first <laughs> okay so matraca is something I'm loving. This morning, I listened to Juan Gabriel all morning. Yeah, And I, um, I have so many memories of like being at my grandmother's house and like the smell of pinole and Juan Gabriel. And um, it's like his visibility mattered. And I just, whenever I feel down and I want to feel connected, to family because I my grandmother passed away before Daniel was born and um when my cousin came out as a uh, lesbian she didn't have anywhere to go and my grandmother took her in and um I just think about the importance of like 
maternal love, whatever that looks like, whether it's like your nanita telling you to that you're safe with her. And I, when I want to feel connected and I want to feel love, I think of her. And so I put Juan Gabriel on because she loved Juan Gabriel. And um, so that's my matraca for today because I think we're in a different time, whether it feels really heavy um, and we aren't alone because I totally believe that our loved ones and our ancestors like push us forward and we carry them with us. So that's my matraca. Love that <laughs> so much. I, as as uh, a lot of our listeners may know, I'm, I'm living in, in Mexico City and a few weeks ago uh, in Coyacan, a particular neighborhood, and I was walking, just exploring, and I found a, a bakery that's called Pan Gabriel, and it has a little, <laughs> and it has a little <laughs> rainbow on it, and it's just crazy, just how much comfort that gave me to see this business and to see the um. the rainbow. And uh, I was I was sharing the other day how there's two symbols that give me a lot of comfort and. It's funny because you speak about maternal love and one is the rainbow, but the other one is actually, you know, I, I grew up Catholic and lots of problematic stuff with, with that, but I do find a yeah. lot of comfort in La Virgen. And so when I see the image of La Virgen, it, to me, it's like this, fig, this mother, right? It's like, it's this mother. I think about nature. There's so many things I think about, but it's definitely like a maternal love. And so I feel um, very protected with the rainbow and La Virgencita, but there's this Pan Gabriel it's called, and it, it makes me so happy. So that's so funny that you, I love that. <laughs> yeah. He, his music makes me happy. Okay. So how about, what would you like to put in La Basura? All of the anti-LGBTQ lobby groups that exist in the, in the United States, we're going to throw them in the Basura. Afuera. People need to put funding them. They gotta go. Yes, let us just stay strong and, you know, voices like yours and ours. Yeah, yeah, aquí estamos doing what we yes. can. Awesome. Y lastly, what is something that's giving you calma or lately or that's keeping you grounded? Seeing my kid so happy. He's like 13 and like a true teenager discovering music. Like you remember what it was like when you were like 13, you discover songs that mean something to you. And like, he has like his queer friend group, as he calls them. And like, they all are together and not together physically, but you know, they're always on like their discord. And, and I see like that he has a community of people and I see his joy. And I, that brings me calm because I know that he won't be alone in the world. Like he may be an only child, but he's found people and he knows like the importance of community because I hope I've instilled that and, and brought and built a community around him that he'll know where to go when he needs to, if I'm not here one day. So I feel calm in that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Community. Hi, hi, hi. Um, beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, lastly, before we go, I'd love for you to share anything you want to share with our listeners. And if you want to share your Instagram or any, any resources or anything that you would like to promote or share with, with our listeners. Yeah, you can follow me at Zeddygrams on the Instagram. If you want resources, please go to the Human Rights Campaign and type in transgender in the search box and you'll get a load, a, a whole host of resources for parents of trans youth. And I too have a tiny baby podcast called um, I Stand By You with Lizette and Drew, where we talk about allyship and community building. Oh, beautiful. Um, so, yeah. And so we um, are really... We, it's a little labor of love. We don't have a lot of listeners. But if you'd like to learn about how to be a good ally, listen to us there. 
Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. It has been a joy. I feel so energized and and um, just more, more love and no say all 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 the the fuzzy things are happening. <laughs> Man, love. If we all came from a space of love, we would truly live in the most wonderful world. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lisette, for everything that you do to make that happen. And I, I hope that you have a beautiful day. Thank Gracias you. again. Thank you so much, Ana Sheila. This was amazing. Tamarindo Podcast is part of Sonoro Media. It is hosted by Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Producer Jeff provides original music and Michelle Andrade edits the show. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and on Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. Support our show by sharing this episode with a friend, writing us a review on Apple Podcasts, or contributing financially to the show. All contributions, big or small, help us keep bringing you great conversations and free or low-cost events. To get in touch with us or to support us, please go to tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.